Hello and welcome to today's Travel Daily's IWTA episode, Inspirational Women in Travel Asia. My name is Michaela Connor, the founder. My name is Michaela Connor, the co-founder and chairperson of IWTA. And I'm here today with the wonderful Christine Kunanen, who's an editor and publisher of a South Asian luxury travel magazine called Travel Life. Hajime Mashite, Christine, how are you today? Very well, thank you. And thank you for taking the time to talk to me tonight. Well, thank you. And you're in Japan. I've been looking at photos because it's one of my most favorite countries. And this is autumn time. And I've been seeing these beautiful colors coming through in the trees. Yes, particularly in the north, because I live in Tokyo. And um, the fall colors have not really been coming in yet. However, up in the north, we are seeing a lot of the fall colors coming in already. However, autumn is the season for good food as well. So we oh. are taking advantage of that. Okay, getting on a plane right now. You said food. That's it. Um, now, I was, I was doing research about you and, and, and your life as an editor and publisher. And it sounds like a dream job to be honest I don't know how how I can get this job but so you travel and you stay in luxury hotels and you write about them is that correct yes I also eat in very fancy (laughs) wow wow and how long have you been uh, an editor for uh I've been doing this for 13 years now so that's a lot of hotels and restaurants. Let's put it that way. There was one year, yeah. actually, my secretary counted that I, I stayed away. I stayed in a hotel for about 245 days out of 365, something like that. Mm-hmm. Wow. You basically live in a suitcase. Yes, actually. And I love it, by the way. <laughs> I'm one of yeah. these people who actually love um staying in hotels so it's really not a job even when i'm home in tokyo i love staycations in tokyo hotels wow so um how do you how did you become a, a, an editor or publisher what what made you want to work for travel life or for a travel magazine what made you want to do that well um i own the magazine for one thing and um, I started the magazine exactly the way I started my hotel. One day I was having dinner with a couple of friends and the idea came to my mind and I said, I think I want to start a travel magazine. So just like that, I decided to start a travel magazine. Just like that. Yes. And was the, was the overnight an overnight idea? It was, it was literally an idea over dinner. And my friends can still recall that. But, you know, I'm one of the ki- these kinds of people who, when an idea comes to my mind and I think it's the right one, I just go and do it without thinking about consequences or what might not happen. I- I'm not that kind of person. So I just went head, in, head first straight into, the, straight into the project. Yeah. And how do you... How do you know it's a good idea? How do you know it's going to work? I just have a feeling. So I haven't had a lot of strong feelings, but when I do have a strong feeling about something, I just go and pursue it without, you know, I have have tunnel vision actually about stuff like this. 
So with a magazine, that's what happened. Literally, like the next day, I applied for um, registration with the Securities and Exchange Commission. And then I found the staff, I found an office, and then I had a magazine. And that was to get the. How do you get the hotels to do they invite you or do you invite yourself and then write about them? How does it work? Well, you know, after 13 years, we have very, very good relationships with all the major hotel chains and with all the PR companies in the world and all the airlines. I mean, we, we've, we've worked our way to where we are. So a lot of people do know us and they also know that we are followed by a very, very good set of readers. We're not the biggest magazine in the world, but our readers do follow what we write and they do follow um, what, we, what we recommend. For example, right now, I just had a reader message me and say that she's at the Four Seasons Sultan Ahmed in Istanbul. And she said, I checked in here because you've been writing about it and you've been saying it's wonderful. So we decided to check in here. So I messaged her back and I said, so do you like it? Because of course I'm, I'm curious to know if, how she feels about it because personally I love it. And she said, I love it, I love it. You know, so we, we, this, is, this is the kind of readers we have. They know yeah. that we walk the talk. I mean, I, I, I work this way, but I also live this way. And um, we work with a lot of hotels, but we also make sure to, um, you know, give them the lowdown about the luxury hotel or the luxury restaurant we're covering or the airline. So it's a, it's a very nice relationship with our partners and our readers. And, and so how do you go from like starting the magazine in basically in a day or two days and now you've grown it so much. So what's the motivation behind making it work? What motivates you when you? Um, I think I really, you know, when I decided to start Travel Live, I just said, if I'm going to start something, it better be worth it. It's really as simple as that. I, I didn't want to start something that was, you know, neither here nor there. I didn't want to start a project that would not be the best because it would not be worth it. So when I started it, I wanted to make sure that it would be the kind of magazine that people would read, that people would support, that companies would support, and that I would have a great time doing it. Mm. And it's been 13 years? Yes, it's been 13 years. And you still travel now that the borders are open? A lot. I've just actually, um, I, we've just partnered with uh, the Catalonia Tourism Board, and this was three weeks ago. So they invited me to Barcelona and to the region of Catalan, uh, Catalonia to um, see the best of the city and see the best of the region. So um, Catalonia hosted me and, and gave me a fabulous time. And I was able to see all the beautiful hotels and restaurants and food experiences and wonderful museums. And now what we're doing is we're creating the same experience for our readers and I'm offering it to our readers next year. That's exciting. And how many staff? How many staff have you got now? Well, you know, with pa the pandemic, it's been on and off. And we've had a lot of 
um, like people go on part time, for example, because you know we, we've all gone virtual. But in general, we have about um, fifteen to twenty people working for us. And how? What was the hardest thing through the pandemic? How did you get through that? It wasn't really hard at all, actually, for us. Um, to tell you the truth, we never stopped traveling. For one thing, for example. I was covering all the best hotels and experiences in Japan during the pandemic. And um, we were all virtual because um, Travel Life has had a very big virtual presence for a while now. So it wasn't that difficult to jump into the virtual world. And um, we're very flexible as a team. Uh, no one, I mean, no one can work for me um, and not do 10 things at the same time or not do 10 jobs at the same time. So. Um, our team is, is is very flexible and very hardworking and very adaptable to anything. Mm. What, what are some of your values um, that is important to you in your life and, and that you kind of bring into your business life as well? Well, the, I think the most important is that the word impossible does not exist in my vocabulary. So I really... Um, try to make my ideas happen. When I think an idea is worth it, I go the long mile, I go the extra mile. There's nothing I think is impossible. I mean, there's nothing unachievable in this world if you set your mind to it. So this has been the core philosophy of my life for as long as I can remember. And it's worked wonderfully so far. So, uh, for example, the pandemic has affected so many people in a negative way, and it's really unfortunate um, to hear about all these stories. But for me, being in exactly the same situation of having COVID all around, it's it's been an extremely fruitful, productive, and uh, wonderful time. And it's not that it's been any different for me than someone else. But I've just chosen to look at it that way and to make sure that I work towards that, that, that road. Do you always have a clear goal in your mind where life is going to take you? Most of the time. And if I don't have a clear goal, I know that everything will turn out all right anyway. It's a great mindset. Now, I'm really curious because what's amazing about you is that not only did you start Travel Life, but all of a sudden, you also decided to have your own luxury hotel in Granada, Spain, of all places. La Esperanza? Yes. Yeah, t tell us more. Describe to us what, what happened. How, how did that idea come about? Well, first, La Esperanza means hope. And so I think it's a very, very appropriate name for a hotel that was born out of the pandemic. And without um, embellishing how it happened, it literally happened on an airplane. I was flying from Manila to Tokyo during the pandemic, way before vaccines were on the market. And I remember just as we were landing in uh, Tokyo airport, Narita airport actually, uh, the idea popped into my head. Um, I think I should buy a property in Spain. And at that time, I really didn't think that it would be a hotel or it would be a second home. I just had this idea. I think I should buy a property in Spain. 
it was so strong that from the airport all the way to my home in Tokyo, I was thinking about it. And as soon as I got to my home in Tokyo, the first thing I did was open my computer and literally Google properties for sale in Spain. And La Esperanza was the third property I saw. The minute I saw it, I knew this was it. In fact, I knew this was it so much that before I even contacted the owner, I posted it online and I said, this is going to be mine. Explain what feelings were going through your mind. Like, this is incredible. You literally sat on the plane during yes. the pandemic. Yes. And you're like, that's it. That's what I'm doing. And you went straight home and, and started Googling. So explain to us when you saw this property, what were the feelings that was going through your mind? Actually, there were no feelings. I just knew this was it. As simple as that. You know, it's it, it was very unemotional. I just knew this is it. And I bought the property site unseen, actually, because the borders were closed and all that. So I, I literally threw a dart on the map of Spain and it landed in Granada, a region and a city where I knew absolutely no one. And from that point, I found a lawyer to do everything for me. And then just everything fell into place. So from knowing zero people in Granada, I now know everyone. And so th there must have been thousands of properties coming up when you were doing the search in Spain, like all over Spain, right? Yes. What was it about La Esperanza? It was not called that then. What was it about that property that made you stop and go, this is the one I want? What was it about the pictures? Uh, I think I just liked the look of it. And I really have a very strong gut feel about things. So in this case, I just knew this was going to be my property. I, I can't explain it any, any more than that. It was in my gut. I knew this was going to be um, mine. And you knew it was going to be yours, but at the time you didn't think it was going to be a hotel? You no, just I just wanted that property. Yes, I just knew it was going to be mine. And then yeah. I also knew that everything would fall into place after that. It's mm. just my life has been this way. So I just trust that everything falls into place. So, for example, from knowing no one, I found a lawyer. And then I found someone to get the keys from the former owner. And then I found someone who was willing to run this property as a hotel together with me. And then I found great builders. I found great housekeepers. I found a great team. I met the mayor of Granada. I met the mayors of the surrounding towns. You know, everything just fell into place after that. And it's really, for me, it was a matter of not overthinking things and not worrying too much and just every day putting one foot in front of the other. And so it's a luxury property. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. How did you get it from a building to a luxury property? Well, this was a private home of an elderly British couple. And they'd set it up as a hotel in order to get the permit to build this pretty uh, massive structure in this territory, which is basically among the most protected lands in this part of Spain but they never actually ran it as a hotel. Uh, when my now business partner saw it, he said, 
we should open a hotel. And I said, okay. So from there, neither of us had much experience running a hotel. In fact, neither of us had any experience running a hotel, but we were confident that, you know, we're both hard workers. We're both quick learners. We're both willing to do anything and everything to make a project a success. So we knew that we could make this work. And when did it open? Where was the, when was the opening? It opened on August 15, 2021. So we've just been open about a year and two or three months now. Mm. Mm. And it's been actually very, very good, way better than I expected. Uh, we're, we're receiving visitors from all over the world. We've hosted something like 16, 17 weddings by now. Mm. And we've had a lot of celebrities come and stay with us. And it's, it's just been an amazing, hard, difficult, but wonderful project. I love it. I mean, if I didn't have to sleep, I'd be thinking about it all day and all night. <laughs> What's been the most difficult with this um, project? The most difficult thing probably has been the tedious paperwork and, you know, just the tedious things needed to run a hotel. For example, even the website and even getting on board, um, what is it, a, a, a booking engine. These are very technical things that most hotels or most companies would hire a professional to, to do because, you know, it, it, it's like another language. In our case, I taught myself how to do everything overnight. And um, in three weeks, we were on board with um, all the technology. And I, I, I literally did everything for the technology side. My partner did most of the building work. So he took care of that part. And I, I did all the technology. And this is not something I knew, but I had to learn it. And now I, I can do it with my eyes closed. So that was probably the hardest part. And you talk about your business partner. How how did what were you looking for a business partner, and what were you looking for in a Again, business partner? You know, everything just falls into place in my life in general. So, for example, I really wasn't looking for a business partner, but somehow he came into my life. Uh, he's the best friend of an acquaintance I met at a cocktail party three years ago. And uh, the moment I met him, I knew he would be perfect for the property. So he's been with this project since day one mm -hmm. and he's still working extremely hard, just as hard as I am, but on the other side of, you know, the client side and, you know, running the hotel. So he's on site yeah. running the hotel, you know, for us. And I'm on the other side of the world, marketing the hotel, doing all the technology and, you know, running even the website, for example, and all these things. So it, it, it's a perfect, um, it's a perfect partnership in that sense. We're always on the same page. Um, we, we both know where we want this hotel to go and we want it to be the best small hotel in our part of Europe. And why, why Spain? Because the world is big. I know it, it just came to my mind. As I said, I was on an airplane and suddenly I had this thought, I think I should get a property in Spain. In and Spain. you know, when I get thoughts like this, I feel they're inspired 
by some divine force, perhaps, <laughs> if you believe in that kind of thing. But um, that's how I felt about it, because literally it could be anywhere. But I felt Spain was where I should be. And so far, it's, it's, it's been the right decision. Last year, we were included in the list of six best new hotels in Spain. And that was an incredible honor for us considering you know, I started from nothing. I started from a private home and we're not part of a huge hotel brand or we don't have the resources of, you know, the luxury hotels. But there we were on the same page as the Four Seasons hotels in the Mandarin Oriental, Ritz in Madrid, you know, as one of the six best new hotels in Spain for 2021. And what, what did you, because you've stayed in many luxury hotels as part of your, your job, right? And yes. what was your vision? for this to become a luxury, beautiful place to be? Because I'm looking at the photo behind you and it looks absolutely amazing. It's also amazing inside, actually. And I wanted this hotel to be unforgettable. That was really it. Because I've stayed in thousands of the most beautiful hotels in the world. And I know which ones are unforgettable for me. So I wanted my hotel to be one of these unforgettable hotels in terms of the decor and in terms of the service. We have only eight rooms, so it's very easy for us to create a very, very personalized experience for guests. And I think this and the fact that the hotel is really so beautiful inside, we, we, we handpicked every single thing in the hotel. There's nothing, there's nothing in the hotel. There's no tile. There's no table there's no lamp in the hotel that doesn't have a story for us so everything is special and people feel it the minute they enter the property they feel it and the service my partner does that part and um he he does an incredible job uh giving our guests the most special experience possible because there's a lot of luxury hotels out there in the world and, and in spain yeah yes and when you say unforgettable, it's when you have an idea, I mean, you sounds like you're a bit of an entrepreneur. You have an idea and then you just go for it. But it's making it something that's going to work and set aside from everything else that so it doesn't become part of the same. Everything's just the same. So when you say unforgettable, what's unforgettable for you? Well, I really think the interiors are unforgettable because... They, they're, they're very special, every piece. I chose every piece to reflect the culture of Andalusia and to reflect the deep culture of Granada. So it's not just another luxury hotel. When guests enter the hotel, they know they're in Granada. They, they know they're in Andalusia. And it's very, very beautiful. The effect of all these eclectic things put together is actually very beautiful. So. Every corner is Instagrammable in that sense. So that is very unforgettable. The setting is also amazing because we're on top of a hill with amazing nature all around. And it's very calming, but it's also, you know, one of these kind of 360 degree views that you, you never see or you rarely see in your life. And then we have an incredible team that really makes every guest feel special so that they feel they're in someone's home rather than in another luxury hotel. So a lot of people do love this experience. And I can see it because, for example, 
on online, if I read the reviews that we get, maybe 99% have given us perfect scores, which is um, quite incredible considering we've only been open for a year and three months. And uh, we're basically an independent boutique property. Congratulations, it's amazing, amazing achievement. So how, how do you celebrate success? It must feel great to be part of that list with some of the really big names. That made my day, actually. Um, I've seen our hotel on two lists now with incredible, amazing hotels alongside. And it's they, they, these have really made my day. In fact, these have probably made my year. Yeah. But in terms of celebrating, you know, I, I'm one of these people who just puts another goal ahead of me if I if I've done one goal. So we, we're, we're not stopping to rest at all because we, I really want this hotel to be unforgettable. I want it to be one of the best small properties in Spain. And um, we still have a long way to go in that sense. That's exciting though, isn't it? There's lots of opportunities still. Yeah. I'm, I'm constantly thinking, what can we do better? What can we do more? What, what do we need to do? You know, I mean, it's this is how I'm thinking whenever I'm there, whenever I'm talking to my partner. Uh, he knows that every time I talk to him on the phone, we probably end the conversation with a new project to do on the hotel. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I, I never stop. You seem to have quite the entrepreneurial mindset and a very positive outlook on life in general. Where, where does that come from? How, how, did you, how did you build that kind of mindset? Or is this something that comes from family members or where you were growing up, someone that you looked up to? I think it's um, knowledge of self and discipline. Yeah. If you know yourself, then you're aware of your strengths and your weaknesses. And then discipline comes in because a lot of people do tend to dwell too much on their weaknesses rather than their strengths. And I almost never think of my weaknesses. I'm aware of them and I know what to do about them, but I never think of them. And I'm always focusing on going from strength to strength. And this I think is a discipline. Um, as I said, for example, during the pandemic, a lot of people sat and cried and felt they'd lost two and a half years of their life. And again, it's not that I had a different experience in that sense, because I, I was just as part of the pandemic as everyone else, but my mindset was different. I, I never stopped working or creating. I, I, I never stopped moving and I never stopped to think for me or poor me for what has happened or you know this is this is just not part of my dna and i think it's not something i inherited i think it's really it's discipline and in that sense every single person can can achieve it because it's just discipline more than anything else but it's it's the hardest thing to do like i if someone around me speaks about something negatively i mean it's almost like a you know, a warning signal to me because there's almost nothing in my life that is negative. Because mm. that's how you see it. Because that's how I see it. Exactly. It's not, how you the world to see it. it's not yeah. how, 
not that the world is different for me. It's that I've chosen to see it in a different way. Amazing. Final question. Yes. How, if you could do a recipe for success, how does one go from dreaming big to execution? Like to actually doing something about that dream? Well, I think first people need to take the big leap. And uh, before they take, take the big leap, they also have to take a realistic view of themselves. Because, for example, a lot of people do want to own their own companies. Because it does sound very glamorous. The same way owning a hotel sounds glamorous or owning a travel magazine sounds very glamorous. But there is the other side of it, which is extremely hard work and extremely high pressure. And not everyone can handle this. So before people take that big leap from idea to going on their own, for example, I think they should uh, take stock of who they are, knowing themselves, who, who they are, and whether this is really for them. And then if they are convinced that they do have the X factor to make it on their own, then I think they should take that big leap, which takes a lot of guts and they should be mentally prepared because like for me it's a 24-7 it's a 24-7 job that I love so it's not a job but it is a 24-7 occupation so not everyone is prepared to focus on a project 24-7 for example um, but that's what it takes to make something big to create something out of nothing. You can't create something out of nothing if you're in a nine to five mindset, for example, or if you're in a, I need a vacation mindset or, you know, it's just not going to happen. But if you're fully in there, this is, this is how things happen. And this is how you turn ideas into reality. What do you want your legacy to be? Well, I do want this hotel to be really one of the most talked about hotels in the world. And then I want to start another hotel <laughs> and make it also one of the most talked about hotels in the world. Yeah, unforgettable. Another unforgettable property. Yeah. Will yeah. it be another Esperanza? Will, it, will you start a chain? Yeah. Perhaps, but again, you know, I, I'm the kind of person who really doesn't overthink things. So at the moment, I'm completely focused on making sure that this hotel is the best possible product we can offer. And then I believe that when we're ready, the next opportunity will come. You'll be on a plane when you're ready next time, probably going somewhere. <laughs> Well, I'm on a plane every two weeks, so there's an idea. Oh, there you go. Yeah, well, it could come at any time then. <laughs> but, Christine, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for taking your time. I feel really inspired, and this is a virtual interview, but I can really feel your positive energy through the cyberspace. So thank you so much for taking part of the IWTA series. Really enjoyed uh, spending time with you. Likewise, it's been wonderful. And really, if I can, if I can just say one thing to women, for example, who who want 
and who, who have an idea, it's that really the, the most important thing is that they know themselves. They know themselves and then they get that discipline needed to make their idea a success. It takes a lot of discipline. Yeah, I can tell you're very disciplined. You can send some over to me, can you? Send that email <laughs> for me. And I, I think one of the, the favorite things that you've said, many things, many key takeaways, is how you talk about your strengths and weaknesses because women tend to really focus on what they're not good at. Um, and it's got to stop because it's not productive and we're never going to be great at the weaknesses because they're a weakness for a reason. So by enhancing your strengths, you're going to get so much more return because you're doing something that's already natural to you. So really? I really love that part that's of the so story. For example, you know, uh, when I meet, when I meet uh, women, whether for work or, or personal, on a personal basis, I listen more than I talk in general. And I tell them, tell me your story. A lot of times it's like a story waiting to be told. It's like, it's like a, a tape recording in their head already that they've been, you know, rewinding and rewinding for years or for months. And it's kind of a, you know, poor me story. And when this happens, I always want to tell them, stop, you know, please stop because every single woman has undergone practically the same experience. I don't know any woman, for example, who hasn't had a career failure, a heartbreak, a loss of a loved one, or some challenge in their private life or their public life or their career life. But it's really, how do you tell the story to yourself? This is really, really important because that determines the rest of your life or that determines where your life is going. I honestly don't know any woman who has a life better than anyone else, but in their mind is where everything happens. And, you know, really, I can't emphasize enough that women should stop telling themselves a story that they themselves don't want to hear. They should tell themselves a story that they want to hear. Great advice to finish the interview. Thank you so much, Christine. I wish you all the best. And I can't wait to just keep reading about your success. I'll be here cheering for you. Uh, thank, thank you. Have a lovely evening. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Bye.